Welcome to the Encounter Community Church Podcast, where we take God's Word and look at how we can utilize, practically apply it, and implement it into our lives. Welcome back to the Encounter Community Church Podcast. My name is Ken Bowler Jr. I am the pastor here at Encounter Community Church, and it is October 20th. You may be wondering, well, Ken, great. What, is that, what does that really mean? Well, actually, when you listen to this podcast, it may not be October 20th. It may be beyond that. But, but I'm saying that just to say that time just goes by so quickly. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed how fast time just seems to fly? Even in the midst of this pandemic, we find ourselves staying home more not being able to go out as much. We find our kids home more. Many of us are spending more time with our kids than we ever thought possible. And some of us are praying for school to start back. (laughs) I'm not sure where you stand at. It would seem like even in the midst of this pandemic, it would feel like time would slow down, but it hasn't. It's moving so fast. Last month, I turned 51. And that still surprises me. I'm not surprising in the fact that I'm, I'm still alive. Like, <laughs> I'm kind of glad about that part. <laughs> but it just surprises me. It's, it's just how fast it came up. Because I, I remember being a kid, probably 10, 11 years old, thinking, Man, when I turn 50, it'll be 2019. That just seems so far from now. And it it did. It just seems so far from then. But here I am now, not just 50, but 51. And the time has. It just really has flown. So with that in mind, one of the things that I've decided this year is I'm actually working on losing weight. That's one of the things I'm, I'm trying to work on. I've seen a couple of my live streams lately. And let's just say this. I didn't realize shirts could get stretch marks. <laughs> but they can. And I just realized, man, I need, I need to do some work in that area of my life to try to just be healthier. And I'll be honest, part of it is inspired by my wife. I am so proud of her. Uh, that my wife decided to just work on what she's eating and how she's eating and how much she's eating and really working to control that. And I would say it's been a little bit over a few months now. I think she started back in June, but she's lost 40 pounds. She's lost 40 pounds. So I'm, I'm really proud of her, but I'm inspired by the work that she's done. And so I'm starting to do it myself and starting to exercise and and do those things. Be praying for me. Many of you that know me know that I am a great starter. I have started so many projects. I have started so many lifestyle changes. I have started so many possibilities and probabilities and goals and things I wanted to reach for. And to be honest with you, I have not finished hardly any of them. Because I am, I'm a great starter, but my follow through, for lack of better term, sucks. <laughs> so if you could be praying, you know, for me, 
in this to really keep this going long term. Because I, I don't know about you, but I do have some gold shirts in my closet that I would love to be able to get back into or to be able to get into. I went shopping at Macy's once and hit the clearance rack and brought some shirts home that were supposed to be my size. And I got them home because it's the same size written on all my other shirts. And it lied. It lied to me. <laughs> it really did because it didn't fit me the way my other shirts the same exact size fit me. But I, I've kept them. And so I have a few gold shirts that are in my closet and hopefully by the time I'm able to fit them, uh, they will still be in style. Uh, but, but we'll see, but we'll see. So if you could be praying for me about that, I, I really appreciate it. And, and the other thing, in, in talking about time and how quickly time goes, I, I've come to this realization just in conversations that I've had with people. It, it's one of those things that we say all the time. It's one of those things that many of us believe. However, when it comes to the execution of it, sometimes it doesn't always work out the way that it should in our hearts. And, and what do I mean by that? And it's simply this. Life is too short to hold a grudge. Life is too short to hold a grudge. We've started a, a brand new series this week called The Grudge. It's called The Grudge. And for some of you, you may be familiar with the title of this series. Because I will tell you, it was. It's motivated by a movie. If you are someone who loves Japanese horror flicks, it was inspired by that. If you've never seen it, it's called Juan. I'm not sure where you stand at on your Christian walk and your Christian journey. For some of you that are out there, you refuse to watch horror flicks. Completely up to you. No judgment there. But please don't judge those who like to watch them. I personally like to watch them because I see sometimes the triumph of good over evil. I see the triumph of realizing that evil, as bad as it may be, does not always have to have a final say. So I, I kind of like them in that way. I enjoy them. But Juan is a, it was a Japanese horror movie that came out in 2002. It was remade in 2004. And an American version, and it was translated as its actual name, The Grudge. It actually stars Sarah Michelle Gellar. Uh, yes, uh, Buffy the Vampire fame, and it starred her. But it was, it was, and I'll tell you that the American movie is good, but the Japanese version was great. It was, I mean, it's really well written. One of the things I like about Japanese horror movies is that they have a tendency to take you on a journey mentally. They don't just use visual cues or visual things to, you know, shock value. You know, you have those, you know, you know have those movies, right? You'll watch a certain horror flick and boom, something will jump out of you. Ah, something will jump out of you, boom. And those kind of, I'm not against those kind of things, but I love horror movies or any kind of movie that will cause me to think and bring me to this place where it really engages and works my imagination. And that's what Japanese horror flicks are able to do. And Juwan does not disappoint. So basically, here's the premise of the movie, is you have this house where this horrific murder takes place. And in this horrific murder, it creates an angry spirit. 
And the idea behind the movie is every time someone goes into the home, the spirit attaches itself to that person. And for lack of better terms, they gonna die. <laughs> they are, it just happens. But what would happen also is whenever the spirit is about to manifest itself, you would hear something like, It would sound something like that. Now, for some of you, you may hear that and think, man, that just sounds scary right there, just driving my car. <laughs> for them, some of you that have watched the movies, you're just like, Ken, that's, that's not too bad. You, you, you kind of got that down. And for others of you that haven't watched the movie, you're thinking, okay, Ken, I got your point. Let's move on. <laughs> I totally get that too. But, but here's the idea. is Every time someone walks into that home, this spirit attaches itself to that person. And I really do think that the movie is a great metaphor. And that's why we decided to name this series The Grudge. Because I think this movie is a great metaphor for life. Because let's say, for example, the grudge that you hold isn't necessarily that something that happened in your physical home, although it may have, but it is something that's happened in your emotional home, your mental home, your spiritual home. And that every time someone comes into your life, they are affected by your grudge. They're affected by it. And it may not necessarily lead to the physical death of that person. At least I, I hope not. I hope your grudge hasn't, hasn't led to that. But, but what it, it can lead to is, is the death of a friendship, the death of a relationship. I've seen it cause the death of marriages. And I've also seen it cause the death of parental-child relationships. I've seen people lose their career because of grudges. So the idea behind it is still everyone that comes into your life when you hold a grudge is still infected by that grudge. And this is why it's so important for us to deal with it. And again, one of the reasons why we decided to do this series as well is because we were thinking about politics and religion, and we were thinking about, well, where do we go after this series? And if you didn't have a chance to listen to this series, please go back and listen to it. And just a reminder, the goal of that series was not to convince you to vote a certain way or convince you to join a certain party. It wasn't about that. It was just about understanding that no matter where you come from, we've got to do politics better. But one of the things that we have seen is that over the course of the last month or so, people have posted some pretty hurtful things. And it's very easy for you to carry a grudge because of it. And, and maybe you don't carry the grudge because of what it is that they posted, but what they posted did ignite something else in you that reminded you of a betrayal, of a hurt, of a challenge, of, of a pain that's been a part of your life. And so now you are in this place where your grudge has been reawakened. The question is, Ken, how do we, how do we deal with those grudges? And that's what we're going to be looking at for this series. So today what we're going to be doing is we're going to touch on what we talked about on Sunday, is how do we, and, and dive a little bit deeper into 
how do we make sure a grudge never takes place? And then this week, or next week, we're going to be talking about forgiving others. Then we're going to jump into forgiving God. Then finally, we're going to wrap up the series with forgiving yourself. And then we'll be ready to probably hit a Christmas series because it is getting that close. Oh, boy. Better start making my Christmas list and do shopping for my family now. But with that in mind, when it, when it comes to the grudge, I, I saw a piece of imagery that I thought was, was really good. And the idea behind it is holding on to a grudge is like willfully taking something painful and squeezing it or holding on to it. For example, holding on to a grudge is like willfully grabbing a piece of cactus. Like no one willfully grabs cactus, right? Usually what we do is we try to avoid cactus because... A cacti, I should say, if we're looking at pearl, but, but cacti usually has something that is sticky. And there's certain cacti that when you when you grab a hold of it, it has like a barb in it, so it really gets locked into your into your skin and that kind of thing. But what happens when you grab onto a cactus is you are placing needles into your hand. And every time you hold on to that grudge, you're willfully grabbing a cactus. And every time you bring that memory back of your pain and put you in that place and you take the energy to hold on to that grudge, what, are you, what you're doing is you're wrapping your hands further around the cactus and you're squeezing it that much harder. Now, we know that that's not something that we'd want to do. It's something that we want to let go of. It's something that we want to move forward. But that's exactly what it is that we do. And here's the thing that's amazing about that is it's not that you're taking the cactus, although you may want to, and pushing it into the face of the person who, who angered you. Because here's the thing that I found with the grudge also is many times we're holding on to the grudge and the person with whom we are holding the grudge against, they have moved on and have even thought about us sometimes. But are we, here we are, we're, we're preoccupied, right? We're, we're focused, our, our, thoughts, our thoughts are inundated. We're, we're, we're utilizing energy and effort to hold on to this grudge. And each moment that we do, we cause ourselves pain. We squeeze the cactus a little bit more, a little, a little bit harder. So we bring more pain into our lives. So that's what we're hoping to encourage you to do over the course of this series. It's not only to stop squeezing the cactus, but now let's begin to just drop the cactus altogether. So make sure that you join us for this entire series as we talk about dealing with grudges. But like I said, today, here's what we wanted to do, is we wanted to take a moment to just look at what can we do to prevent a, a, a grudge from developing in the first place. You know, there's this one point where Jesus is having a conversation, and he says this in Mark chapter 11, verse 25. He says, but when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Now, that's really great insight into why it's so important to 
let go of a grudge. Really great insight. And you may be thinking, well, well Ken, how does holding on to a grudge prevent God from being able to forgive me? The driving force behind our relationship with God, the driving force behind Christianity, the driving force behind our salvation is the grace of God, which is demonstrated by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross and ultimately his resurrection from the grave. And in that, what Jesus does then is he embodies a restoration in our relationship with God. And that restoration starts with his grace and that restoration is represented by the forgiveness of our sin. It starts there and it is realized by that. And so literally, here's what Jesus is really saying. But when you are praying, first, give grace to anyone who has hurt you so that your Father in heaven will give grace to you. See, the whole thing about Christianity is to experience the grace of God. And as long as I am holding on to a grudge, then I short-circuit my ability to experience said grace. And, and what is grace? Grace is simply this. Grace is giving us the opportunity for renewal that we do not deserve. That's why it's called forgiveness, right? Because in order for you to forgive, something has to be given. And what is it that you're giving? Or maybe even better, what is it that you're surrendering? And that is you're making a commitment to surrender the right to get even. You're surrendering that right. And you're surrendering the right to hold on to that pain internally. Because what it will do is it will eat you alive. With that in mind, as we look at, are you holding a grudge against anyone? We said that what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about how to be able to prevent a grudge from happening. How do we do it? Is we hold on to the grace that God has given us. Because I have made some mistakes. I have done some things wrong. I have said some things wrong. I have failed in so many ways in my life. I have failed my wife at times. I have failed my kids at times. I have failed God at times. I have failed myself at times. And the thing that I want most in those, in, those, in those moments is the opportunity to be able to experience a level of restoration for myself and for my life. And I think that we all want that. So then what we do is we put ourselves in this place where we begin to recognize that, like, God, you've given me this grace. And you know the beauty of grace that God has is, is, is this grace, it doesn't just cover the failures of our past. It covers the failures of our presence, and it also covers the failures that we will have in the future. The idea that I want to encourage you with is make this decision. If you want to prevent a grudge from happening, decide that you're going to forgive people even before they've done something wrong to you. Interesting perspective. But every single one of us are human. And I'm going to hit this point again a little bit later, but every single one of us, we're all human. 
We are all human. So we're going to make mistakes. We're going to let one another down. So what if I made the decision that I'm just going to credit you forgiveness? No matter what. That's my standpoint. That's where I'm going to start at. Wow. That would be a way to keep a grudge from happening. It says this in Leviticus chapter 19, verses 17 through 18. It says, do not nurse hatred in your heart for any of your relatives. Confront people directly so you will not be held guilty for their sin. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So there's some great ideas in there for how to be able to prevent grudges from happening. Here's the first one. Do not nurse hatred. Do not nurse hatred. I remember when my kids were born, one of the things that you'd want to do is you would nurse your child. So you're responsive to that child. You, you nurse that child, you, you get that child the food that it needs in order to flourish and thrive. You, you give that child the interaction it needs in order to, to flourish and thrive. I remember that I would just sit down because I, I learned that talking with your kids, just talking with them will help them to develop their facilities and, and growth. So I would just sit down and I would just randomly just start talking to my kids because I just wanted them to hear my voice because what I wanted to do is I wanted to nurture and nurse their growth intellectually. I remember doing things like that, but we nurse them. So it's the same idea with a grudge. It's the same idea with someone that has hurt us. Don't nurse it. Don't nurse it. Because the more that you nurse it, the more that you keep it alive. The more that you feed it, the more that you keep it alive. The more that you interact with it, the more that you keep it alive. So you want to make a commitment that if you do something to hurt me, I'm not going to nurse that pain. What I'm going to do is I'm going to look at how to work through it to let the pain go. Next week, we're going to look at forgiveness and we're going to dive into it a little bit more and looking at some thoughts about it. But I really want to encourage you to really begin to think about this idea of not nursing something when it happens to you. That's where I think the next verse is really great because it says, confront people directly. It's easier for something to become a grudge, a grudge sorry, when you just hold on to it internally. It really is. It's easier for it to become a grudge when you not only do you just hold on to it internally, you rehearse it internally. Have you ever done this? Have you ever had someone do something where they hurt you? So in your mind, you confront that person. And in your mind, you have arguments with that person. And in your mind, you tell that person off. And in your mind, now realize in your mind as you're having this argument, typically what's ha also happening is your mind is beginning to vocalize the arguments on the other side of the coin. So you are now arguing in your mind against your offender. Not one word has been spoken to your offender, but you have had, man, I have had some knockdown, drag out arguments with you, buddy. 
<laughs> the more that we nurse it internally, the more it takes root. And the more likely it is for it to become a grudge. So that's where it's so important for you to make a commitment that if someone hurts you, someone does something to you, is to address it. Now, I will encourage you to do this. Make it a point to work through your anger before you address it, or else you're not going to be able to address it in a way that's healthy. I remember when we had a, a guy, and I, I, and I might have told this story in a podcast before, but we had this guy who was a homeless guy who tried to squat on our property, and he ended up stealing a, a water hose from our property as well. The, the cool thing for our church is we have a associate pastor that's on staff, and we actually have a parish. So we allow him to be able to live in the parish for free in exchange for the work that he does for the church, as well as giving him part-time pay on top of it as well. But he's allowed to live there. And his son lives with him. And his son actually saw the homeless guy taking our hose and putting it into his mobile home. So they called me, and I came to deal with it. And I sat in my car, and I prayed, God, you know, help me to, to, to work through this. But I'll tell you, when I got out the car and I saw the guy, I was hot. I was hot, and I did not handle it in a productive way. Although I was wronged, or the church was wronged, although we were the ones stolen from, I was hot. And it may have been righteous anger, because I think it is. I think it was righteous anger. But I think that there's a way that I could have handled it better. Part of that was to actually give myself a moment to process and work through what's happening happening internally. So that way, when I was able to address whatever it is that I was, I was, I was frustrated by, the fact that he stole the holes, I, I could have handled it in a way to where it was more productive, where there's more conversation. So I want to encourage you to work through your anger, work through your pain, work through whatever it is that you need to work through before you talk to that person. But make sure that you still talk to that person. And also, don't let a year go by <laughs> before you've had a chance to work through. Like, man, it took me a year to work through this, but now I feel better. And I need, no, it's too late to talk to him about it then. It's, it's, it's already gone by. So you want to give yourself the opportunity to work through whatever it is that you need to work through emotionally. But you need to address it as soon as you possibly can once you've worked through that emotion. But I love that it says confront people directly so that you will not be held guilty for their sin. Now, what, is, what does that mean, being held guilty for their sin? Because I'm not the one that did it. I'm not the one that did it. But there also is a, is a passage in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, where it says, In your anger, do not sin. In your anger, do not sin. And so literally what I believe happens is the reason why we're held guilty for sin is because their sin has moved our emotions. And as a result of our emotions, we have now stepped into this place where we sin against a person who sinned against us. 
So now what we have to do is we have to apologize for the way that we responded. And that's what I had to do with the homeless guy. Is I had to respond. I had to apologize for the way that I responded. I didn't respond. I didn't apologize for my anger because my anger was justified. But I did apologize for my response. Because my response, let's just say it didn't honor Jesus. Now, I didn't cuss. <laughs> Although I may have come close a couple of times. <laughs> but I, I, I didn't cuss, thank God. But I, I will say that in my anger, I sinned against the guy. So he sinned against me. And in my anger, I sinned against him. And that's where we're held guilty for their sin. We allow their sin to influence us. So now we're guilty of sin as well. So we want to make a commitment to make sure that we confront and that we deal with things. And again, it says, do not seek revenge or bear grudge against a fellow Israelite. But I love this. It says, but love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. So what's another way to prevent a grudge from happening? It's to give to others the same kind of love that you'd want them to give you. Because I can guarantee you, if I were to do a survey right now where everyone who is listening could answer, and if I were to say to you, hey, would you like someone to hold a grudge against you? I pretty much guarantee you I would get a unanimous answer of no. <laughs> None of us want people to hold a, hold a grudge against us because of something that we've done. None of us do. So literally when it says love your neighbor as yourself, treat your neighbor better than the way that you'd want to be treated. There is the golden rule that we love to throw out. Remember the, you know the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Sounds beautiful. You know, and we, you know what we've done is if we've taken that and we've applied that to everyday life, which is not bad, but go back and look at it in context. And when you look at it in context, you will find that what Jesus was talking about before that was dealing with your enemy. And so when he says do unto others the way that you want them to do unto you, he's basically saying, treat your enemy the way that you would want your enemy to treat you. So how do you want someone else to treat you when you've offended them? How do you want someone else to treat you when you've let them down? How do you want someone else to treat you when you've disappointed them? And so you want to make sure that you don't carry that you don't carry that grudge along with you. And then finally in Ephesians chapter four, verse two, it says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love, making allowance for each other's faults. So this goes back to what I was talking about before. What, what does it mean to make allowance? It means to make room, to make room. For example, I've seen them where they talk about building a bridge. And in certain bridges, what they'll do is they will build an allowance. What is the allowance for? It's allowance for movement because of the water that the bridge is over as well as for the wind. Because they know that if they build the structure too, too rigid, 
then most likely the movement will shake the bridge apart and it will lose its stability. So they built the bridge in such a way to be able to allow movement. I think it's the same way when it comes to the forgiveness of others, is to live our lives in such a way that we allow room for people to fail, because they will. Your wife is gonna fail you, your husband's gonna fail you, your kids are gonna fail you, your boss is gonna fail you, and yes, even your pastor might fail you. And if I'm your pastor, I might fail you. So we have to make room and that's what simply means. Making allowance is recognizing that people are people, and so we make allowance. Now, that doesn't mean that we allow people to abuse us. It doesn't mean that we allow people to overstep their bounds. It doesn't mean that we allow ourselves to be a placemat for people. That's not what the passage is saying at all. So we do take all of the other elements into play. We, we do make a commitment to forgive, we make a commitment to credit forgiveness. We make a commitment not to nurse a grudge. We make a commitment to confront people for the wrong things that they do. We make a commitment to make sure that we're not held guilty because of giving in and allowing our anger to push us in a place where we react, respond in a way that does not honor God. And then we also make sure that we love others in the way that we desire to be loved, specifically in the way that we respond to someone when they offend us. So we have all of that, we keep all of that in mind, we keep all of that in play. And this is what allows us to be able to prevent a grudge from developing. Now it will, it's hard work on the front end of things. It's hard work on the front end of things. It, it, it is hard work to make a commitment to forgive someone for their sin. It's heartbreaking, it's difficult. And I know that sometimes what we want to do is we want someone to apologize to us for the wrong things that they've done. Here's the thing, is they may not. And you still need to forgive them anyway. You still need to credit them forgiveness anyway. And that's hard. I will agree, that's hard. And the most important reason that we want to make a commitment to work through life is because life is too short or to work the grudges, I'm sorry. It's because life is too short. Life is too short to hold on to a grudge. And I'll tell you, it's one of those things where I always struggle with how open to be in a situation like this, because I have held grudges. But I, I always wonder like how much of a story should I tell? Because what if the person who I tell the story about happens to listen to the podcast. <laughs> so there's always, there's always a challenge of how much detail do I get into because I, I don't want that person to listen to this and feel poorly for what it is that they've, they've done to me. But I'll tell you, there have been times I've been hurt. And there have been times where I have held on to a grudge. I go back and I look, and now I've come to the realization that every moment that I kept that grudge alive, every moment that I hold onto that pain, because it takes work to hold onto a grudge, every moment that I held onto that pain, every moment that I allowed myself to be stuck, every moment is also a moment of my life that I wasted, that I'll never get back. Also, God has created and made you for a purpose. And part of that purpose is to change the world. 
And I said this on Sunday, and I'm going to say it here. How can I change the world in the future if my future is clouded by the pain of my past? So let's make the commitment to deal with our pain, move forward so that we can become a person of restoration, a person of healing. I also want to let you know this. If you would like for me to pray for you because of a grudge that you have, feel free to reach out. EncounterSouthBay at gmail.com. EncounterSouthBay at gmail.com. Go ahead and send me an email. And I would love the chance to be able to read that and just to be able to pray for you and work through any grudges that you may have. I know, I know it's so hard. I know it's really hard. But as long as you hold a grudge, you could never really be the best you. You can't be the best you for your husband and wife when you're holding a grudge. You can't be the best you for your kids when you're holding a grudge. You can't be the best you for God when you're holding a grudge. And again, life is, it, it's too short. It's too short. So don't waste your time. Make a commitment. Forgive those with whom you hold a grudge. And like I said, we're going to be digging more into forgiveness next week. Well, again, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. I would encourage you that wherever it is that you get your podcast from, please rate and review us. If where, whatever platform you're on doesn't allow you to be able to do that, if you can do us a favor and go to Apple Podcasts, find us there, rate and review us there. Because again, what this does is if there are people who are looking for something similar, looking for an encouragement, looking for something along, along those ways, then as you begin to post a review, it helps people to be able to find us. And hopefully we'll be able to have a chance to be able to change their lives as well. Again, if you're listening on our website, please, you can find us on Spotify. You can find us on iHeartRadio. You can find us wherever it is that you listen to your podcast from or you can find podcasts from. That way, when we post something new, you'll get the update about that as well. If you are available, please join us for our live stream. Uh, this weekend, we actually have Stan, the associate pastor from our church, is going to be preaching on forgiveness. As well as we are doing an outdoor service now. So if you want to join us for that, would love to have you there. It's Sundays, 10.30 a.m. It's in our parking lot. We have everyone socially distanced. Our service is touchless. Everyone wears masks. So it's a great way for people to be able to come and be outdoors and be uplifted and encouraged. Although they're saying it might rain this Sunday. If it does rain this Sunday, then of course everything will be online. But if not, then please come on out and join us and be uplifted. Again, encounter is about three things. Love up. How can we grow in our relationship with God? Grow closer in him. The, grow, the closer you grow to him, the more that you will become familiar with the grace that he's given you, which then allows you to become passionate about what he's passionate about. That's why he tells us, love others. So we say, love out. Love your fellow man. And one of the best ways you could do that is to start to practice forgiveness. And then love in, take care of yourself. And one of the best ways to do that is start letting go of your grudges so you can be free to be the best you that you can be. Well, take care. 
God bless. And we'll see you once again next week. Thank you so much for joining us for the Encounter Community Church podcast. If you could do us a favor, whatever service it is that you're listening to this podcast on, please rate and review us. If there's anything that we can do better, please let us know. But by rating and review, it also make our podcast easier for others to be able to find. If you would like to support us at Encounter financially with what it is that we're doing to make a difference in our community, whether it's the mobile food bank, whether it's serving at North High School, or making a difference, again, in our community, feel free to head over to our website, encountercommunity.church. Click the link that says online giving. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. That way, when we post new live streams or new vlogs, you'll be updated. As well as, please head over to Facebook and like our page. That way, when we post new podcasts, again, new vlogs, new live streams, or have church events, you'll be updated and know what's going on here at Encounter. As we said before, thank you so much. We're so glad to have you with us, and we look forward to you being a part of the podcast next week.